0: I've got three words for your team. Blessed are the crazies. <laughs> actually, actually, that's four.
1: Yeah, I said, Small Business Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their souls to take on- marketing straight to the lead now here's
0: your host Mr Timbo Reed. Welcome back listeners to another episode of Australia's number 1 marketing show I'm your host Timbo Reed you so much more importantly are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing This is episode 250 and it is brought to you by the good folk at Net Registry who get your online marketing sorted and the guys at 99 Designs who get you a design you'll love guarantee. Guaranteed now. Here's the thing this episode is dedicated to the crazies amongst us. You, me, and some past guests that I've had on the show. Before I talk about who they are and revisit some of them, I'm sitting on an island in Fiji doing this. Let me paint a picture. I am sitting on some grass. In front of me is beautiful white sand. In front of that white sand is a blue lagoon and off in the distance are very large waves crashing onto a reef. There's a security guard looking at me wondering what I'm doing. There are kids playing in the water. Uh, It's quite idyllic, but it is not the place to necessarily put a podcast episode together. This episode has been hours in the making. I will be referring to spreadsheets and all sorts of things to get it done. But hey, that's part of being crazy, you know? Celebrate our craziness. That's what this episode is all about. You know, uh, it's episode 250 and I'm not one for those kind of flagship milestone episodes and making some hoo-ha, but I did think it was a great opportunity to revisit some of those guests that I've had on in the last 250 episodes that are a little bit crazy. Now, what do I mean by crazy? I'm not talking necessarily, (laughs) necessarily straight jacket crazy, just people who see the world a little bit differently who break the rules who challenge the conventions of the category who put a smile on their dial on our dial as they ask us to buy from them they deliver amazing results in different ways there's not enough crazies in this world right particularly in business it's getting so serious my favorite crazy is professor john hughes robin williams character in dead poet society he did things differently what about steve jobs Speaking of Steve Jobs, what about this quote from a wonderful Apple TV commercial from years ago? Check this out. Here's to the
2: crazy ones. The rebels. The troublemakers. The ones who see things differently. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world... the ones who
0: do oh that is beautiful beautiful copy so crazies i'm a little bit crazy you probably are you listen to this show you're crazy small business owners we're all crazy to an extent aren't we for doing what we're doing oh it'll be easier to get the corporate job but hopefully you love what you're doing so here's the thing right i went back into the archives had a look around And thought, who are those really, really crazy business owners that I've had a fireside chat with over the years? There's plenty of them. I've chosen four. They're in no particular order. But I thought I'll pull some key learnings from those chats. So the first one is Tom Dixon. He's the owner of Blender Manufacturing Company, Blendtec. That's not that interesting in itself, but where it gets really interesting is he's also the creator and star of an amazing viral video series called Will It Blend? Where he proves just how good his blenders are, as he stands there in a white lab jacket and protective glasses, via extreme product demonstrations, blending everything from iPads to PS3s to glow sticks. At the time of speaking to Tom, he had 125 videos on YouTube with over 500 million views. I checked yesterday, it's up to 823 million views, almost a billion. He's referenced in 38 marketing texts around the world, uh, and what his viral video phenomenon has done for Tom's business is, is quite amazing. During the interview, I suggested to Tom that he's a man of many talents engineer, CEO, marketer, and presenter. Of his Willet Blend viral video series, here's what he had to say to that.
3: Well, I'm ADHD and I'm <laughs> dyslexic, so okay. going through school, I could hardly read, and to this day, I have trouble. I mean, I can read backwards as well as forward, and it's just I got a goofy mind, and um, but I'm just. Yeah, I get I get off the subject very easily.
0: Well, okay, well, that's my job to keep you on the subject. Tell me, ADHD. Um, when were you diagnosed with that? When we well, actually, when were you labelled with that?
3: Well, I didn't have the label until recently. And of course, having having thirty five grandchildren and eleven children, I can see it manifest itself in some of my kids, and I learn more watching them, and I can diagnose it in them faster. Nobody did, did, didn't. Have- Go ahead. Did Did it change anything for you? Did it matter? Oh, it's a blessing. Yeah. It's an absolute blessing because I, I think of things and I see things like nobody in the world sees things. Uh, give me and, an example. Um, just just looking at a problem or looking at a drawing or looking at, I just, I have vision. I, I just, I'm way outside the box mm-hmm. in my thinking. And so I come up with ideas and things that nobody else really I, and even my, with my engineers, and we have 30 engineers. And so, but I'll explain something, and they kind of all scratch their head, like, w- what are you talking about? Mm. And I'll draw it up, I'll put it, draw it on a whiteboard, and then they'll roll that whiteboard into the engineering department, and they'll start going through it. They write on a, on a big, um, on a desk that's all glass on the top, and they'll start coming up with ideas, and then they'll, they'll improve the ideas that I have, and they'll understand it. And sometimes I actually have to go, and build it and sh- and demonstrate it, and then, oh, now we understand. So, so I just see, see things other people don't see.
0: There's a certain type of person that you need following you with a big broom uh, and just to, to understand, you know, where's Tom coming from in order to, almost like a translator. Yes, exactly. I think all of us crazies need one of those. I then went on to ask Tom, was there a moment he thought he was on to something pretty damn special?
3: Um, <laughs> no, I get, well, I guess when the will it blend thing hit and our sales went up a thousand percent, I think maybe that was a kind of a tipping point hey, when I, wow.
0: So, um, what from the first time you posted a will it blend video?
3: Yeah, I think then I really realized after the week and you know, that was kind of an, I, I didn't understand that. That was seven years ago in October and my marketing guy came to me and said, Hey, and he was new. And see, we don't put money into marketing. We put our money into manufacturing yep. and engineering. And so, uh, and that's the problem. We keep. I thought that if we're in Starbucks and Jamba and all these major uh, um, outfits all over the world, these venues, that, that people would see our products demonstrated and know that they're the most reliable ones in the world. Mm-hmm. It'd be the path to our door to buy a product for their home. And that wasn't quite true. And, and but we kept building better and better equipment, and people really weren't aware of it. And then our marketing—I finally hired a marketing guy, George Wright, and he came to me and said, "Hey, um, he saw me blending some two by twos or whatever, trying to break the blender." And so he said, what it? And he's asking someone, "What is ta- what's he doing anyway?" And so he came to me and said, "What's my budget?" And I said, "You're the budget." You know? He said, "How about fifty bucks?" And so I said, "Okay." So he bought a rotisserie chicken, a six pack of, of uh, Coke, and some marbles, and a ray candle, and a bunch of stuff. And he said, "Hey, let me video. You know, with a handheld camera, let me video you blending some of this stuff." So we put up. So we we filmed some videos. And he came to me about five days later, and he said, "Hey, Tom, we hit a home run. We have six million views on YouTube." Six days and, later. Yeah, and I five days later, and I six million views, and I said. He said, yeah, we hit, a, we hit a home run on YouTube. And I said, WhoTube? And <laughs> it was. So now I know. Now I'm their, uh, their oldest um, celebrity, I guess they call me.
0: Now, there's a claim to fame, YouTube's oldest celebrity. Got to love that. I then went on to ask Tom how these viral videos actually translated into hardcore sales of the Blendtec product.
3: You know, when we started Tim, it was just it was just these kids, you know, they're average maybe 16 years old or something like that. And and now of course, here we are, you know, now these kids are are 23, but the whole demographic has shifted. So, I have people approach me that are in their 40s that say, "Oh, you know, we show we show your videos to our kids." And so at first what was the good thing that would happen is they'd walk into a store like a Costco or something where we're doing a demonstration. And the kids would say, hey, mom, look at this, or dad, this is the tech Total Blender. These, this guy, he blends iPhones. You know, this is so cool. It's the most power, powerful blender in the world and, and on and on. And, and we found that about one out of three of those would actually buy the blenders because the, the parents trust the kids when it comes to techno stuff. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, it's gone. So it's, you know, went to the demographic average was like 26 and 36. And so now... You know we have people that are much older that are you know that are realizing wow this got to be a tough uh, blender to be able to, i mean if it'll blend all this other junk you know mm-hmm. it's sure gonna blend our our green smoothies and and so on
0: all righty before we visit our next crazy here's a word from a very long time supporter of this show Support for the Small Business Big Marketing Show comes from Registry, a one-stop shop for getting your online marketing sorted. They can get you a website address, also known as a domain name, a website, a place for that website to live, that's called hosting. They can even get you found on Google. And recently, thanks to the crazy amount of acronyms the online marketing industry has created, I played a game of one-upmanship with Verity Marr, their Chief Marketing Officer, a.k.a. CMO. I'll raise you an SEO for an SEM. Yes. What have you got? Uh,
4: I do a PPC off
0: your SEM. Okay. For your PPC, I'll give you a a DNS.
4: For your DNS, I will give you a GTLD.
0: Uh, I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Um, For your GTLD, um, I'm just going to give you a TLD. A
4: TLD? Yep. So,
0: for your TLD, I'll give you a CC TLD. <laughs> for your... Oh, this is not so much an acronym, but for whatever you just said then, I'm going to give you a C panel.
4: Oh, so we've moved into brand names. <laughs>
0: Is that a brand name? (laughs) I just thought it was a long acronym. (laughs) Crazy, isn't it? Luckily, NetRegistry works hard at being an acronym-free zone. Head over to netregistry.com.au and get your online marketing sorted once and for all. No acronyms, no big words, no tech talk. Just a bunch of helpful guys and girls wanting to improve your digital footprint. And tell them Timbo sent you, oh, hang on, digital footprint. Is that TikTok? talk?
2: <laughs>
0: All right, pulling it together. Remember, sitting on a tropical island, looking out at a blue lagoon. It's windy, it's sunny, there's kids screaming, there's a security guard looking at me. Righto, on to our next crazy. It is Mick Collis. He's the vice-captain of the Australian Sudoku team, as well as an award-winning copywriter. We were speaking at the same conference about three years ago when I got to know him and his story, which, by the way, is hilarious. What marketing lessons you can learn from the vice-captain of the Australian Sudoku team? Great question. But uh, before I cut to that, here's how he became vice-captain of that team.
1: Well, it's it's one of those things like most kids growing up in australia my dream was to wear the green and gold and, and represent australia and and I tried a lot of different sports but I was I was no good at any of them but i I just kept I just kept trying because just for some reason I just had this thing in my head that I would have loved to have I was was starstruck and mesmerised by, you know, I grew up watching Dougie Walters and Simon Poyter and and all these these great Australian athletes and and wanted to be like them. So that was my dream was to play for Australia. I tried uh, rugby, I tried rugby league, I tried cricket, I tried (laughs) surf life-saving, I even had a crack at lawn bowls, um, but was no good at all of them. And it got to the point where I was was 42 and I kind of thought, well, look, I've pretty much, I've had a crack at everything, but I just wasn't any good at anything. And then I went up to Brisbane to watch uh, the Bledslow Cup with a mate and on the way he's pulled out a book of Sudoku puzzles. (laughs) I'd never seen Sudoku or played Sudoku, but for some reason, we'd had a couple of beers that might have something to do with it. We thought that if we we created uh, our own world Sudoku championships that we could ourselves in the Australian team and that would tick that thing off the box. But when I got back from Brisbane, I was devastated to discover I just jumped on Google and found there had actually been this World Sudoku Championships the year before. It was in Italy. They had 114 competitors from 32 different nations. So it was this massive tournament. Yeah. So I kind of thought, well, look, I was initially a bit disappointed because I thought there's another dream that's gone. But I well, thought, well, look, I might as well have a crack and see how you actually get to, to compete for your country at that existing World Sudoku Championships. And I I hadn't played Sudoku before, so it was a bit of a long shot and a bit optimistic, but I thought, you know, give it a crack. So I've jumped online and, look, to cut a very long story short, to to compete at these world championships, you need to be selected and have your selection ratified by your country's member of this World Puzzle Federation, and Australia didn't have a member of this World Puzzle Federation. So I've applied, I was accepted, so I became the Andrew Dimitri of Australian Sudoku. I was the sole selector, so I ended up just picking myself and three mates and, and off we went.
0: Love it. So, it, it, those 31 teams that had gone to Italy the year before, Australia wasn't represented?
1: No, that was. We were, we were the first time that Australia had ever been represented at a World Championships.
0: Tell me about that moment where you've looked at your mate and gone, you know what? This is our shot at it. It's going to be Sudoku,
1: but it's a shot of getting the green and gold. Yeah, well, it was funny because. <laughs> Uh, and because a lot of people think that it was a bit of a piss take, but but it wasn't. Like for us, I mean, we we were in the Australian Mick, team. As far Mick, as we Mick, were,
0: Mick, it sounds like a piss take, mate.
1: Tim, no, trust me on this one. We we were in the Australian team, and and we were the four people representing twenty million Australians at a World Championship. So yep. it was all, it was on our shoulders, and we got decked out. We had five different uniforms. We had the whole blaze of the tie. So we had the number ones, right through to the number fives, which was the green and gold Australian playing kit. And we had everything was embroidered. We had Australia written across everything. And we were there. We with we the Australian team and, and was
0: the, was the original when you looked at your mate and gone it's going to be Sudoku that's what we're going to repre- represent Australia in at that point we was there a bit of a wry smile and then it became at some point you've gone oh hang on we are representing the country or was it always very serious?
1: Look, there was a look. There was a bit of a wry smile because, look, only one of the four of us had actually played Sudoku before, so we knew that we, <laughs> we weren't going to go over there and, and set the world on fire and break any Sudoku world records. But, but once we kind of thought, look, this is a way we can actually do it, and 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 we found a way. because like, we'd all we'd all played a decent level of rugby and we'd all trained very very hard to try and. Oh, mate, you
0: were completely set up then for Sudoku.
1: <laughs> exactly. So we. It's not. Like we'd sat on a couch all our lives and and eaten donuts and decided, oh, let's go and play for Australia. We, we'd done a lot of the hard work before, but just didn't have the ability. So we kind of thought, okay, we've done the hard work. Now it's just a matter of picking the sport, and and Sudoku fell into our laps. And 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 once we were there and and we were wearing the Australian kit, then it, it did it did become. It was very serious, and we we gave it our all. You know, we weren't we were there playing for Australia, and there was no way we would give anything other than our absolute best for for Australia at that time. And and when I remember. When we completed the first, you had forty-five minutes to try and complete twelve puzzles, and there were seven rounds, so there were seven lots of forty-five minutes. And so I'd finished, I'd finished one puzzle in forty-five minutes. So it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest performance at the world championships. No. But I remember I looked across at, at my mate Hamish, who was sitting on the decks next to me, and when it was, you know, pens down at forty-five minutes, and we looked across and he said, "How did you go?" And we both just gave each other the the, the, the uh, Leighton Hewitt fist pump because yeah. we both we both finished one puzzle at a world championship and that remains one of the most satisfying moments of my life was against all odds completing a Sudoku puzzle, which was only the second one I'd ever attempted yeah. at a World Sudoku Championships. And, and it was just, um, mate, look, it was a great moment. And it was something, you know, it could have been me walking out on the MCG, but I was sitting there and I was doing Sudoku, but I was still doing it for Australia. And, and for me, that was, that was what it was all about. Oh,
0: i got to love such a simple man. What a great story. So I then went on to probe Mick, for a business or marketing lesson in all of this. And believe it or not, there was quite a few. One
1: was around what he calls direction setting. I think that I set directions more than goals because I think I'm one of those people that I think, okay, if I set a goal and I don't make it, that... That not that I'm a failure but I haven't I haven't achieved that thing. Mm-hmm. So I think if I set a, a general direction and I head off in that direction and I achieve something in that direction, uh, my chances of success are a lot more than setting a specific and defined goal. So for me it's probably a protective measure to to not set a goal but to set a direction mm-hmm. and all the things that I've done, it really just has been directions like the rugby commentary. I thought oh, I'd always like to, to commentate on rugby so I started off with a community station and did some games there and then I went to a commercial station and happened to be at the right place at the right time when the World Cup was here in 2003 and uh, and there was no other rugby people in Perth that that kind of were on, on radio so I managed to be able to do some commentary there and all these things that I've done have just I've kind of thought I'd like to do that, and I've just kind of found out how you actually get to do it and not and, and been fortunate enough to be able to actually do it. Yeah, I like that direction setting. It
0: kind of just sets you in a forward motion as opposed to setting goals, which I, I too i am kind of one not to set goals, but kind of just head off on a path that you kind of think would be interesting and you, you could kind yeah. of do well
1: at. And I think that if you – I think if you – I think if you set goals and you and you're so focused on those goals I actually think there's a lot of a lot of things you'd miss out on like if your goal is in a direct line and and that's the only part you take like mm-hmm. there's this big S shape that might eventually get you there but you you get all these wonderful things on the big S bend that actually gets it to kind of where your goal is so I I I think that by me, I mean, look, it's, it works for me by setting directions. You, you just get exposed to a, a lot more different things that you might not have ever considered if you were just so focused on that one goal.
0: See, I told you there'd be a learning in there somewhere. Now, before we visit, or I should say revisit, one of the past marketing crazies that have been on the Small Business Big Marketing Show, here's a word from another longtime supporter. <laughs> Support for the Small Business Big Marketing Show comes from 99designs, the world's largest graphic design marketplace, where you fill out a simple online brief, then let designers from around the world compete to deliver a design you'll love. I got talking to their head honcho, Patrick Allen, who described the excitement small business owners feel when using the service. You know, a
3: lot of our customers are starting something new. And, um, and, and, you know, it might be their first foray in small business. And, you know, getting your logo design, your brand identity started is kind of the first thing that you do that's really tangible, you know, and it's something you can start to show off to your friends and say, hey, I've finally done it.
0: 99 Designs, a place to show off to your friends. For a free $99 upgrade on your first design, visit 99designs.com forward slash S-B-B-M.
1: Get on Timbo's mailing list over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.
0: Oh, I do love the crazies. You? You feeling a little bit crazy yet? I hope so. Now it's time to hear from AFL football legend Warwick the Wiz Kappa. Now, for overseas listeners, Kappa was a football star during the 1980s. Uh, he, has, he was known for his long, blonde, mullet haircut. Think Fabio. <laughs> his ridiculously tight shorts and his ability to take spectacular marks. Oh, and every time he opened his mouth, by the way, you laughed. Now, whether you were laughing at him or with him, that was the big question. So, for me, interviewing Kappa was an opportunity to speak to a bloke who I reckon has made a silk purse out of a sow's ear. As one of the great opportunists, one question I had for him was what was his secret to milking
2: every single deal? I think just being um, good at selling yourself and being confident in yourself and confident in your own ability. That's like, you know, that's like in business because I've got shares in um, a men's, um, uh, uh, it's a uh of a decent place called Man With a Fuss. And I think um, the, the trend is changing in business uh, and also in pleasure. We guys like, have to look after ourselves. And they used to be embarrassed about getting getting botox, getting their face fixed up, and losing a bit of weight. Uh, but now uh, people want to look good and stand out a bit and try and get the best out of themselves. That's so all about presentation, isn't it? And, and standing out among the crowd. Have
0: you had, a bit, of, have like you had a bit of work done?
2: Yeah, well, it's my company, so I, I have to. You just keep. <laughs> I'm 51 next week, but look about 37, so it's good. It's been great. <laughs> well, like I, like, I, like I say to my followers and the fans, there's no sitting on heads if you don't follow through for the goal, is there?
0: Correct. Yeah. Correct. That, well, exactly right. That's a footy analogy. Do you ever – um, I, I had a lady on last week. She's the voice of Siri. So uh, Siri, you know app, yep. the Apple Siri. So, and yep. we talked. Oh, her name's Karen Jacobson. We talked a lot about self-doubt, and uh, she actually was crippled by anxiety for many years before she became successful. Do you, yep. um, do you have any self-doubt, or are you seriously, what we see is just this bloke who is completely in love with himself? Not real. i am sort of am, but
2: uh, I'm in love with everyone else too. Yes. I might be loving myself, but I'm also in love other people, and I like Ben Yanneth because I got. For millions of fans, a lot of them, I've probably got like 10% of haters where they go, I'm a bit, a bit of an arrogant wanker. And then they meet me and go, geez, top oh, like, yep. just like me and you. Yep. you know, so once they get to know me, they, I change their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was, the, I was doing a campaign for Quick Beds Flight Centre, I'll give you an example. And um, the catch cry was, yeah, Warwick Kappa, AFL legend and movie star. Their rooms are great rates, a cheap and easy, just like me. And that... It was like laughing laugh, laugh at myself. Yep. But that went, that, that went global around the world and we got the company up by 160%. Would you get paid for that, Kappa? Oh, a fair bit, yeah. 60 figures and a bit more. But I was worth every cent. Love it. In awareness. I can't say too much, the tax man to get me, but yeah, I did yeah. okay. Um, and then I was an Ando's man last year, where, where it says, in my liver skin jocks, I said, and the cash flow was thanks to Sphere Agency, the sun shines out of your buttons, not ours, Warwick. <laughs> Chicken tropical burger. So and it's all—it's
0: all about believing in yourself, eh?
2: Yeah, believing yourself. And now this, this week on the face of the boat show, and me and Brendan Austin and, and the catch cry for this one, which is a great marketing too, yeah. is um, uh, Kappa could be on the Melbourne boat show and tell them it well, a kappa center and get a great deal. And second thoughts, don't tell sent at all and get a better deal. <laughs> B class celebrities, A class deals. Love it. See? Never never, never, never be ashamed to laugh
0: at yourself. Solid advice there from Kappa. Never be ashamed to laugh at yourself. I remember in another past episode where I interviewed stand-up comedians and my speaking coaches, Troy and Zara, one of them said, to have a good company, you need to be good company. I love that quote. And a big part of being good company is having a sense of humour. Anyway, back to Kappa. I went on to ask him if he was offended by the fact that some people thought he was a bit of a duffer.
2: No, nah, yeah. If I if I if I worried about that, I wouldn't get out of bed, would I? Correct. I would be on the street and get I, I would be on the street and get fifty photos and autographs. So they're, just, they're just a bit jealous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: correct, you know I mean? correct.
2: I'm not worried. About, I'm because yeah, when I put things put things on my uh, on my wall and um, Twitter and stuff, you got to be that bit of but you got to be you got to be fixed in be, be a copper. Because one guy said yesterday. When I was the face of the boat shakers, oh, you're getting a bit old, fella, but that, that happens and ninety five percent say you're you looking great and young and, and there's always one or two you're in a bag, yeah, but you just can't be too thick skinned. You know, too yeah. thin-skinned,
0: I mean. Too thin-skinned, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Everyone gets old, Everyone gets
2: old. it's portray yourself and try and get fit.
0: One of the things that I've noticed about the way you've gone about your business, I want to talk about your public speaking career in a moment because I do a lot of speaking as well. But but one of the things that I've noticed is that you rely on on the existing media. Geez, you just gave to be a heavy breath then, mate. You're not with your your partner or something, are <laughs> <laughs> no, you? That, that,
2: that was an hour ago. Yeah, I gave it the best 35 seconds of life. That was fantastic.
0: <laughs> One of the things that I've I i uh, I've completely lost the train of thought then, you, you're killing me. Um,
2: I've got to tell you, you why I used to wear tight shorts, I just butting him in. Well, you up, you know, run you run
0: you explain <laughs> the, to overseas listeners
4: this way. you. Yeah,
2: because I used to, well, well to overseas listeners, I'm, I'm actually big in Thailand, which I'm doing a movie in three months called um, My Son, the Queen. So you'll see that end of the year. So people don't know me in Thailand and Pakistan or wherever you go. Yeah. I used to wear the tightest shorts in the business because I was like a rock star, right? I yeah. was like the Bon Jovi at AFL. Yeah. And one day, to the listeners, I had to wear baggy shirt, shorts. So I didn't feel comfortable at all. Yeah. And I had to wear black boots. And I was like, I was really the trailblazer at the AFL back in eighty yeah. five. I started it all. Or, you know, big marketing in AFL. So I, I wore the baggy shorts and I didn't feel comfortable. I went down to pick the ball up. I got a pass off, um um What's his name? Uh, let me think. Greg Williams. Yeah. Two brown, two brown, two brown. Diesel. When the ball dropped about five metres short, so I bent to pick it up. Instead of one ball being here, there were three bloody balls. I <laughs> so lucky I won. There was, two, there was two blue ones and the red Sharon. So I thought, stuff this. I'm going to make some money out of this. I'm going to be the rock star of the AFL. So I got my sun size four shorts. I squeezed in. And the song came out three weeks later. Guess what it was called? Oh, we hate you, I recap <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> Long blonde, those tusses in your socks. We even hate the duck too. We hate you Enough,
0: enough. Yes, All right, let's get back to some serious marketing by another crazy. Ah, bless the crazies. Blessed are the crazies. Well, maybe he's not completely crazy, this bloke, but Lloyd Perry of Big Richard Condoms certainly shared some crazy marketing ideas. To start with, how clever is his business name? Big Richard Condoms. You know, Richard, Dick, you know, do I need to explain? One of the key things that piqued my interest in this business was Lloyd's efforts in creating an engaging brand. It's what was going to set him apart from the other 380 condom brands globally. Here's what Lloyd had to say.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And we we knew that 16 to 24 year olds make up 53% of all condom purchases. Wow. Uh, Yet, all the other brands in the market are very medical, they're very clinical. Um, the category is, is lacking personality um, and, you know, for, for subject matter of, of sex, there's very little fun um, in, in the market. So that's what we tried to, to bring to the market, this youthful, energetic challenger brand with personality um, that, you know, makes people laugh and smile and that's why we drive around in a condom courier van um, you know, that's why we've got two, uh, shagging rabbits as our, you know, brand. Yeah, right. brand yeah.
0: logo. Oops. I forgot to mention the big Richard logo is two shagging rabbits. Genius. I've got to say brilliant logo. Now I've got to tell you the brand does some fantastic marketing. Take a listen as Lloyd describes a very naughty app they've released
4: so the the iPhone app you actually uh place the the phone on your bed whilst you're shagging and uh the app will measure your volume, duration and activity levels and it will give you a comparative score against people from all around the world um so it's a it's a very cheeky little thing um, the reason why we're so knowledgeable of all 64 positions of the Kama Sutra is version one we submitted to uh, the App Store with all 64 positions of the Kama Sutra, all nicely illustrated, custom illustrated, and it was mm-hmm. it was looking great. But um, Apple rejected that. So now we just have this shagometer feature where you, um, you measure your sexual performance, you can compare with your friends, um, uh, something you or I might not. You know, think
0: speak for things, yourself.
4: Think to speak you, for yourself. Thing, but uh, you know, the the youth of today—they're they're, they're crazy kids out.
0: there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the young people of today, Lloyd. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a free app. Is is there uh, the ability to purchase within the app, or it's just simply uh, branding?
4: We've actually—it's we, it's a paid app at the moment. Um, hmm. uh, I've actually, how much. Uh, it's two ninety nine at the moment, which I think is a little bit expensive. I'll be honest with you, but. Um, I've kind of got that there as a barrier. I don't want people actually downloading at the moment until we release version 1.1, which we will be doing in within the next sort of 20 to 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about to get resubmitted. Uh, and version 1.1 has a, a calorie counter. Um, it's got a global sex leaderboard you can compete on the leaderboard to win free condoms and sex toys. And um, so it's going to have a whole lot more utility. Ah,
0: you got to love a naughty app. Another marketing aspect of the big Richard condom business I particularly loved is the fact that they sell both through 400 retail outlets, plus they use a subscription model. Lloyd refers to it as S-commerce. I'd not heard of that phrase before until I interviewed Lloyd. Check this out.
4: Yeah, it's just for 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 regular shaggers. So as we've gone along, we've started to understand the market more, and there's there's two types of people that it serves, and we've got quite a few of these sorts of people on our database. So there there are girls that don't like putting uh, putting, uh, hormones through their bodies, so they'll never Mm -hmm. get on the pill, Mm -hmm. and if they're having uh, you know they're with a partner, they're having regular sex, then they're just going to need a. a crap load of condoms so mm-hmm. so we just make it fun for them we we send it out uh each month we've got a mystery sex toy in there um and then the other category of of consumers that it sort of appeals to is is uh men with an ego um and and there are some men out there that are, are, there, are there many out there <laughs> yeah yeah not many men with an ego is there <laughs> um yeah but there, there are some guys out there that just they they genuinely are just getting laid a lot, and um, <laughs> it's, it's it's the truth. And you know, to to take a risk with safe sex when you're <laughs> having that much sex with yep. often different women each weekend, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. You just wouldn't do it. So so in comes the Superman pack. Yeah, the Superman pack or the Shack Love pack, um, you know, and it's – so that's those are the two people it's sort of targeted to. All um.
0: righty, I'll pull him up there. The conversation got a little more sorted and I haven't put a language warning on this episode. So you can go and listen to Lloyd's full interview along with all the other interviews of the marketing crazies in the show notes for episode 250 over – at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Well, let me take a breath and look up because I kind of – that was a very, very focused little episode of this show. I hope you enjoyed it. Looking up, what do I see? More Blue Lagoon, more waves crashing on the reef. I think I'm getting actually a little bit burnt. The security guard's gone, which is kind of lucky because I was feeling a little bit self-conscious, you know, wasn't doing anything wrong, but I suppose he hasn't seen anyone record a podcast on the point of this beautiful island. I'm staying at the Shangri-La Resort. Speaking at the Husqvarna Conference, in case you were wondering. Alrighty, my top three learnings from those marketing crazies. Thanks to the very, very good folk at Net Registry and 99designs. Again, be sure to support the show's sponsors. Number one learning to create great marketing you really do need to be a little bit crazy. I think that goes without saying now. Number two, to build a business, you have gotta take risks. Step out of your comfort zone, try something different, feel what it's like to be crazy. You might just win. Number three, learning, celebrate your sense of humour. If you've got one, if you haven't got one, then find it. It's your point of difference, all in a world that is way too serious. That is one wonderful way to differentiate yourself. Being crazy is even better. Hope you enjoyed that. Welcome
3: to small
0: business marketing show. So uh, that brings us to the end of episode 250. Thank you for all of those. And I know there are many of you who have listened to all 250 episodes. You're crazy, but good on you. I know there are some of you who have listened to them twice, if not three times. I'm amazed at how many people send me an email saying, hey, listen, uh, I've listened to your show two or three times and it's addictive. (laughs) I like that. That's a good outcome. What outcome are you looking from your marketing? I think I'm slowly getting into Fiji time. It's hard though. Like when you want a coffee, you kind of got to order it half an hour ahead of time because you just know it's going to take that long, which is kind of nice. Anyway, I am babbling but I love yous. Thanks for listening to the show. Plenty more shows coming up. As you know, I'm doing two episodes a week now. Thanks to my sponsors, 99designs. They'll get your online marketing sorted, net registry. They'll get you a design you'll love, guaranteed, fast and inexpensively. Support them. Seriously, support them. Because they make this show possible. Uh, what else can I tell you? Follow me on Twitter, at Timbo Book me to speak, timreid.com.au. Tell a friend about the show. Pay it forward. Plenty of small business owners that don't know about this show that probably would love to know about this show because then they'd be motivated like you, a little bit crazy like you. Nothing wrong with that. Righto team, I love your work. Go and celebrate your craziness. You've been listening to Australia's number one marketing show. I am Timbo Reed. Always have been. Always will be. Signing off from an island somewhere in
3: Fiji. See ya.